0: It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. After delving into a serious issue that is bigger than a game we play and debate, we debate about the best of the best, specifically where they fit on the world stage. If you had to win a hockey game in five minutes and you were coaching an international team, who would be the six skaters hitting the ice for you? Yep. episode 243 of the lace em up podcast starts right now and welcome to the show ladies and gentlemen I'm Steve Ellsworth
1: I'm Brett Dubuff
0: before we get uh into our debate uh Brett uh, we do have a serious matter that is bigger than the game itself around this time last year there was the whole stuff around Bill Peters yep. and uh, Mike Babcock's treatment of young players um this issue is yep. – I don't even know what to describe. It's what tough, yeah. the case around Mitchell Miller is, but uh, we're going to delve that into a bit of uh, what's transpired on that front.
1: Yeah, this is one of those – stories that the more i read about it the more i was disgusted and just like yeah you're just thinking it yeah. can't
0: possibly get worse and right it does.
1: you know a story's bad when like the not even the worst part about this story is the fact that there was a bunch of racial slurs uh directed towards this person and that's not even the worst thing this person did so you're like oh god okay so um yeah unfortunately we like we, we don't love when this stuff happens of course um, but we have to talk about it because it was the biggest story in hockey and we have some fun stuff planned after all this stuff so um, hopefully that will counteract um, but anyways um, so Mitchell Miller who was a draft who's drafted by the Arizona Coyotes um, he, he came forward I guess, maybe scouts I think scat, a lot of teams knew and stuff but
0: mm, there there is yeah. such a thing as a do not draft board yep and I think I heard that like a third of the league had him yep. on their do not draft boards specifically Which, because of this case alone there were talks yep. that he could have been a second round pick he yep. went in the fourth round because um this negatively impacted
1: his draft yep. stock. so I'm about to get and into that and, yeah. um,
0: uh, and yeah, so, yeah, so, continue, uh, just so, yeah, yeah, point, yeah, yeah, I just of course. wanted to shed some
1: background there. Oh, no, no. I mean, I was going to get into that afterwards. <laughs> Anyways, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, so in, uh, 2016, so four years ago, there was an assault conviction. So this was a fourth round draft pick. This was the coyotes first pick remember, cause they had, yeah. um, they had a couple of draft picks taken away. I don't know if we've ever actually officially said that on the podcast, but uh, oh yeah. That's yeah,
0: the prospect scandal, yeah. yeah.
1: So so this was their first pick in the draft. Um, so the Arizona coyotes parted ways with uh, this Mitchell Miller because in 2016 there was this assault conviction. So this is when he was 16, uh, 14 years old, sorry. Um, and he was charged with one count of assault and one count of violation in Ohio. He and another teenagers were accused of making 14-year-old Isaiah Meyer Crothers eat a candy push pops after wiping it in the bathroom urinal. And there was also evidence of him uh, shoving this kid into, um, like, a brick wall and punching him. Um, And and there was also reports of uh, Miller, like, repeatedly calling him the N-word a bunch of times. Um, and then even during this case, which is pretty damning in itself, um, uh, the magistrate said that, like, if this is what you're doing in school, you can't even imagine what he's doing outside of school. Um, reportedly, uh, Miller sent a letter to all 31 teams acknowledging what happens and apologizing for his behavior. However, the mother, um, uh, Mayor Crothers, um, Said that Miller never personally, personally apologized to Isaiah or their family over other than a court mandated letter, um, and and supposedly he was like even when he was expelled from school he was like riding around the kids um, street, um, just like yelling the n word all the time and um, and uh, like and this has been going on not like in I mean I know it says. Uh, like 4 years ago so when he was a freshman this was going on like even in second grade where he was constantly bullying this kid um so um so almost immediately um well it took a couple days but uh the Arizona coyotes renounced their pick um he was a north dakota commit and they they said that he can still be a student there but he, he's not going to be on the team anymore. And then that now there's a report that he might be going to Ska St. Petersburg um, in the KHL. Cause I guess the KHL just doesn't care about criminals. Um, so um, yeah. And I guess our thoughts, I mean, both, I mean, I've talked to you through email, so we, we have a generally the same kind of thing. Um, what bother about it? But you know, is like, I'm all for giving People, second chances, um, I love that. But I feel like second chances are earned. They're not given. Um, And the fact that he can't even, and obviously what he did is horrible, even if he did show any remorse. The fact that he can't even show any remorse whatsoever just shows that he doesn't think what he did was an issue and what was a problem. And it shouldn't have even gotten this far to begin with like, he shouldn't have even been able to play hockey in the first place. He should be in juvenile detention and maybe tried as a, an adult later on um, if he shows remorse. But um, just the whole fact that he even got this far, because it's like it just so happened that he was good at hockey, they let him go with it, um, and that shouldn't happen. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I guess it's better than nothing to – renounce his pick but at the same time arizona still drafted him and you like north dakota probably knew about this and they still you know committed to him and gave him a scholarship so it's um it's just like this this kind of situation means that it's like it's more than hockey it's unfortunate that it involves hockey but it should have been dealt with even before the public even knew about it and um, yeah, like you were saying, Steve early on, that like apparently, according to one scout that um like about a third of the league knew about this situation or knew something was up and refused to draft him because of it. um however, this same scout said that it would it would have been surprising if this guy wasn't drafted uh would would have gone past the fifth round, which is uh pretty scary, considering. What actually happened? You would think the Coyotes would background check? You think all these teams would background check, or just have like a list of saying, like, "Hey, um, you know, I know where you know it's other teams, but this actually this thing actually happened. Don't draft this kid; it would look bad on the NHL, and um, and that's what happened. So, um, I assume you have the same kind of thing feeling towards uh, this, but I'll. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
0: So to get on the subject of how it impacts the brand, because you do make an interesting point. Someone was making the argument if this happened five years ago, like if Mitchell Miller was drafted five years ago, there wouldn't be as much of like a social media backlash on him. And I think that they're onto something here because now you have the Hockey Diversity Alliance in the full. This is almost the full year after the stuff about Bill Peters uh, was revealed, him calling a player the N-word in an AHL dressing room and almost immediately being fired, and the hockey values that the NHL is trying to live by. The NHL would look so so hypocritical, if they didn't kick Mitchell Miller out of the league ASAP. Yep. And I think that was the only choice here, was to 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 make this move, especially for the Arizona Coyotes, who, by the way, I don't know if you heard their GM quit and yep. Taylor Hall is gone. The last thing they need is another negative story, and right. I would think this classifies as one, yep. having someone call a guy... Who is black, but also has mental disabilities? Yep. The N word repeatedly, picking on him since the second grade, doing this as a teenager, still clearly not learning his lesson, and issuing a letter to all thirty-one teams, conveniently just as he's about to become famous, and who was a couple of months ago being interviewed by um, a, a prospect scout. Oh, yeah. You know, there are a lot of. Track their development or do interviews with them. And this one guy did an interview with Mitchell Miller, not talking about the situation, eventually finding out about it, uh, I don't know if it was like a couple days or a couple weeks after the fact, yeah. and he said he extended the invite to Mitchell Miller to come back on the podcast and talk about this incident in particular. Didn't hear back from the player, didn't hear back from his agent. That was a couple of months before he was drafted. This was recent. Yep. So I don't he's really clearly learned from his lesson and i think he skipped a couple of steps before issuing this apology so i don't think it was harsh for the university of north dakota to say you can come and you can take classes and we can help you along the way and and help you mature as a person to be as quick as they did in renouncing its rights they had every reason to because he didn't show a genuine attempt to say sorry. Now, Arizona still looks bad. Yep. Because Phil drafted him. But I they, they get a less bad of a grade because they took action as, as what uh, the NHL, not just the NHL, but like all circles of hockey – This game is trying to become more welcoming to people from all walks of life. Those who are mentally and physically disabled. Those who come from different backgrounds when it comes to race and religion. Those who are LGBTQ, people who love hockey in general, regardless of what country they call home. You eliminate all of that progress if Mitchell Miller turns pro.
1: Yep.
0: And I think as someone who was bullied in elementary school thankfully stopped when i got to high school and the bullying never got to this low point as it did in this case poor isaiah has gone through hell on earth for years and years and years and no kid on this planet deserves this type of type of treatment everyone deserves to be treated the right way yep and it would just it would just be a real kick in the pants to society after everything Mitchell Miller has done to Isaiah, he gets to live out his dream. Like if this is a broadcast position and his future employer found out about Mitchell Miller's past, do you think they hire Mitchell Miller? I doubt Mm -hmm. it. And I hope they wouldn't. So why should it be any different if he's drafted by an NHL team? You're not teaching society, anything positive. You're not teaching the NHL or hockey, the game itself, anything positive. It's just all around not fair to anyone. Now, if he had cleaned up his act and the Coyotes didn't part ways with him, maybe he isn't as mean to people, but I don't know if he's truly learned what he did was bad. And if the reports of going to the KHL are true, it's it's even tougher to justify a second chance. So for Mitchell Miller, on the off chance he's listening to this podcast, I highly doubt he is, but if he is, put your career on the back burner for now for just a second and look at yourself in the mirror decide who exactly you want to become mm-hmm. i hope it's a changed person and if he decides it's to man up and grow up he needs to actually apologize to isaiah who is tormented for years Face to face, phone call, I don't care how, make the effort. Have the guts to listen. Not just to apologize. To listen to what Isaiah has to say, to listen to what his family have and take it. Yep. And then Schlein program. Show us that this is not the real Mitchell Miller. Show us a changed man. And do this before even thinking of picking up a hockey stick ever again.
1: Period. <laughs> well, I well first off, I hope I never even get to see him in the KHL. He should never play hockey to begin with. I don't he doesn't deserve the right to play hockey. So, um <laughs> that's even stronger, but um yeah, and and I feel and I, and I also want to say that like Yeah, we keep on mentioning Mitchell Miller's name and all that stuff, but we have to remember the true victim of this is Isaiah Meyer Crothers. Yes, Mitchell Mm -hmm. Miller will probably never play in the NHL ever again, but um, Isaiah Meyer Crothers still will probably have this PTSD for the rest of his life. Um, And Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's already, like, you know, his life is already pretty tough being a black person and, you know, having disabilities as well. Uh, that's not that's not fun, and um, but and so so we have to like remember that it's like it's not just that Mitchell Miller like I don't care I don't give a fuck if he I, I, I swore there but I don't I don't care I don't care if Mitchell Miller ever changes he should be in jail and I'm fine with him rotting in jail for the rest of his life I I would care more about Isaiah achieving his dreams than. Than Mitchell Miller achieving his dreams because just the fact that he shows no remorse whatsoever about his actions just shows so much about the character of this person um, that I like. It's hard to care about anyone who has no sympathy for others. Um, so I'm yeah. I hope we never get to and hear like, about and, this guy ever again. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and,
0: and the thing with with Mitchell Miller is that that i'm sure everyone in his hometown yeah yeah I'm, I'm that mentioned Miller. his story is all over the world probably right now so ask for a job at the local wendy's or something in his neighborhood they probably know his story now yeah. so like he, he has no choice but to change or his life is over sure. straight up it's over so he, he he has to change as a person because if he keeps living like this the the opportunity to just have to just gain a living, to afford a house, to have a job, it's so so yep. minuscule because he was a dick to Isaiah all those years. Yep. And you're right. I, I I fully agree with you. I'm more interested in what Isaiah's career path is than what Mitchell Miller's is. Yep. But I I really hope that hatchet gets buried and Mitchell Miller has to initiate it. Yep. Isaiah can't be looking for an apology. He, Mitchell has to be genuine. He has to, at the very least, have the effort to apologize. Yep. And I, Isaiah doesn't have to forgive him. I'm no. not saying that Crother's family has to forgive him at all. Yep. They they don't have to forgive him if they don't want to. But I hope, at the very least, Mitchell shows the initiative to at least try to say yep. that he's sorry. And uh, because 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 at the end of the day, like imagine imagine being Mitchell Miller, not knowing right from wrong, not having the the guts to say that I messed up yep. repeatedly in how I've treated Isaiah all those years ago. Like that just shows me a person who's just lost.
1: Yep. And then, uh, so I'll close with this. Well, I have two things to close with. First off the, the show that you were talking about uh, that, that person's name is Guy Flaming. Um, it's yep. from, That's it's it. a pipeline show. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I gained a ton of respect for that after hearing it. I've never even watched an episode of the show, but I gained a ton of respect for him, so I started to follow him. So I just wanted to give him that shout out there. Um, if he is listening and, and to,
0: to all the hockey <laughs> prospects yep. that are listening, don't be the next Mitchell Miller. Oh, yeah, of course. And if you're, and if you're heading down that road, change before it's too late, address yep. all help. the elephants in the room because. Don't think this could ever happen again. It yeah, yeah. absolutely could. Yep. Don't be the next Mitchell Miller.
1: And then the last point: uh, Isaiah Mayer Crothers' mother uh, wrote a letter uh, to the public, um, and she stated that you know that Miller hasn't uh, personally apologized to the kid, and in fact, still taunts this kid even to this day. Um, so, uh, but he said that there was another person who was involved in this incident. Um, and that person did apologize, um, and it did it in person, and they have respect for that person. Um, although I guess they're not like obviously they're not friends still, but um, at least um, there's some hope for that where it's like, okay, at least the other kid um, apologized and realized what he was doing was wrong. So, yeah, um, so there's that, but um, and that's the key difference there
0: that that his friend. Knew that it was bad, and he fessed up. Exactly, and that, and that looks bad on Mitch. Okay, but again, I say is the real victim here. Of
1: course, Mitch uh, so the so now we're going back to hockey. Um, yeah, again, I hope I never get to hear that name again. Um, <laughs> Alex Galchenyuk um, signs with the Ottawa Senators. I believe this, this is like fifth team in three years or something like that. Um, but it's a one year. Turned around a lot. Yeah, he's been around for a while. A one year, a one point, a one million dollar deal. Um, I actually don't mind this deal that much, uh, just because like it kind of reminds me of like a uh, Anthony Duclair type situations. Just like you know, you're going, you know, you're going on a bad team. You're probably gonna get a lot of ice time, and if it's not working, you're you're out of the league. If it is working. Then um, maybe you get traded by the deadline, or you get another deal um, eventually. Uh, so um, I I don't mind this, and you know now we have to see if Alex Galchenyuk isn't a bust or if he can bounce back to even being just a a regular player. I think the fact like the idea of he reaching that potential that he had when he was drafted um, is long gone, but he could still be a useful player. Um, still,
0: Yeah, after, uh, I mean, it's a little risk-type kind of reward yeah. for the Sens. You're getting a guy that was a former top-three pick, which is interesting that you don't keep uh, Borvietsky and you buy a Ryan and yep. you don't keep uh, Craig Anderson, which is something that I felt was going to happen either way. But either way, you're you're giving up a lot of leadership in that locker room and you're basically replacing it with former top-three picks in Irrigan Branson and Alex Galchenik, which – I hope that means they're going to be better next year. I don't know, but Galchenyuk is saying all the right things. Um, He says he wants to return to form, but even be a better player than he was. And at one time he scored 30 goals in an NHL season. I mean, a 30 goal score is something that Ottawa doesn't really have on the roster. So it would certainly be great if they get that Galchenyuk uh, back, but defensively, there's still some question marks there, but again, it's not like you're getting him at the previous $4.9 million cap hit. You're only getting him for like $1.05 million. If he doesn't work out, you get futures for him at the trade deadline. And if it does work out, maybe you keep him on like a two-year deal, like I don't know, $3 million, say. Um, so it's, again, a low-risk, uh, high-reward. Speaking of two-year deals, um, they gave Chris Tierney one. It's a yeah. two-year deal around three to $4 million, so they they keep some veteran uh, experience uh, there as well.
1: Well, the only I mean the only reason why I would think it would go wrong is if it's um if it, if he doesn't work out and doesn't pan out, but uh, cuz then you can't even trade him. Um but uh, but yeah, no, I agree that like even at 1 million for one year that's that's fine. Um it's mm-hmm. worth the risk. Um yeah. other news we have here is just a bunch of resignings basically, but uh, Victor Ulfson signs for 2 years for 3 million uh 3 million per year. Um, so that's not too bad. I, I mean it, it is kind of interesting considering that they did get get uh Tyler a uh, Taylor Hall, Tyler Hall. Um and uh, so like I I'm curious how he's going to fit in now that they do have like a like a like someone to actually play with Jack Eichel. So, like, Victor Olson's probably going to be playing on the second line with Eric Stahl and maybe Sam Reinhart. Um, and then they also have Jeff Skinner in the mix. But it's not too bad uh, getting $3 million. I thought he would get, like, maybe $6 million just because he had a really, really good season this year. But um, at least uh, at least it's not too bad. It's kind of like a good bridge deal for him. Um, mm-hmm.
0: It's a good bridge deal. And the fact that the key with Victor Olson Early in the season is that he was scoring a lot of his goals yep. on the power play. And the Sabres need those power play goals. And you have a hot end like Olofsson. You also got uh, Skinner. One of those guys is going to be on the top line. The other is going to be on the second line. Yep, Good problem to have if you're the Sabres. So, uh, yeah, it's a good two-year bridge deal. And I absolutely think Olofsson can turn that into something bigger if he keeps this up.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, And then lastly, Devin Tays gets four years uh, for $4.1 million uh, per year. Um, And yeah, I mean, it feels like the Avalanche have a plethora of defensemen here. Um, And they kind of like, you know, he was pretty, he was decent on the Islanders. uh, So this isn't a bad deal for them if if he pans out um, in the long run. But like, he's only 26 years old. So by the end of this, he'll be 30. It's not too bad. Um, I like that not, deal.
0: Not too bad. The only concern is um the role that he could play because yep. like they have Kale McCarr already in the picture, a veteran guy like Eric Johnson. They also have Sam Gerrard and Boer Byron coming up uh, the ranks, and a couple of young defensemen like Connor Timmins, Jacob McDonald, as well in, in the in the prospect yep. pipeline that they have. Um, you, you just wonder where he fits in. And yeah, good point. If you if you think and on the second or third pairing that he could put up like 30 plus points that's I would say a bit wishful thinking but again if you spot him in the right area maybe he can put up good numbers for you but uh, they also have deaf guys like Ryan Graves even without Nikita Zdorov, Yep, they're loaded defensively now so it'll be interesting to see how that contract shapes up over time but if they can get him in the right place I think that's a very good deal
1: yeah, <laughs> you almost didn't mention Ryan Graves. He's yeah. uh, he's actually a pretty good player. Uh, yeah. too. But uh, yeah, so yeah, they they're stockpiling it there. I think his role is probably not going to be different or like going to be less lessened than what it was in New York. But yeah. um, at the same time, I think um, he does. Like, it doesn't really matter what his role is going to be there because um, as long as he can contribute, like, he'll probably contribute at least. Somewhat there. Um, and maybe it's just insurance for, you know, Bowen Byram and uh, things so that you're, no, you, you're not relying on Bowen Byram and Kel McCarr uh, to take most of the load. Um, so maybe that's why they do it. Um, yeah. Okay. So now we're doing some fun stuff here. Uh, <laughs> so we kind of, I don't know, I think we were trying to come up with something that's very similar to the prospect. Uh, series that we had um, in the offseason, but when there's not too much to talk about right now, we decided to make this series, which is going to be kind of fun. Uh, I think both of us are looking forward to this, at least. So the idea is that you have this is basically like, you know, it's the Olympics or the World Cup or something. So we each you each have a country, um, and there's five minutes left in the game. The team is down by one uh, goal, Um, and, and the question is, you can only take one center, one left wing, one right wing, two defensemen, and one goalie. Um, and for, they all have to be all from the same country. They have to be the same current players. Um, and who are you taking to win the game? Um, and this, I mean, obviously, if if it's five minutes left in the game, uh, you know, you'll probably have some line shifts and stuff, but let's just, you know, let's, Uh, forget for, that. For the majority of the yeah. time,
0: we're assuming that these six guys are on the yes.
1: ice. Uh, exactly. So, um, and let's assume that they have the Stanima to stay on the ice for five minutes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we're going to start off. We have Canada, U.S., Finland, Sweden, Russia, and then the rest of the world. Um, but we're going to start off with my, your home country and my home country. Um. And you're going to go first when we talk about Canada. Um, we're going to say so. And also, I guess the other thing that I should mention is the it has to be a natural center um, or not your natural position. So, like, I know uh, for instance, you, you were very critical about the fact that Nathan McKinnon um, sometimes plays on the right wing. We're not going to count that. Um, he counts as a center because he plays primarily on the center. Um, so, um, it makes it a lot harder.
0: NHL.com has them labeled.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, and that's that's probably a good way of going by it. So, yeah, um, yeah. I just went by daily face off. Um, it's, it gets a little trickier with left wings than right wings, but, anyways, uh, since this is your home country, you get the first for every position um, in Canada here. So, uh, who's your center? Uh, there's a lot of choices here.
0: Yeah, um, before I get to my choice, I want to preface how loaded Canada is in this area. So you have names like Crosby, McKinney, McDavid, Shifley, Braden Point. Yep. Then you have guys like Tavares, your guy Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, Claude Drew, Steven Stamkos, Matt Barzell, Sean Couturier, Jonathan Taze, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Braden Shen, Bo Horvat, Tyler Sagan, Jonathan So Out of those guys... You can roll four good lines, move six guys to the back end. Yep. And unless you make him a goalie, you still have one guy in the press box. Yeah. Like that's how loaded this team is. And they could probably beat a team in a best on best scenario. So, like, that's how loaded they are at center. Yep. Um, so, this makes it very, very tough. Uh, but the obvious name for me would be Connor McDavid. Yep. And I know Crosby's got the resume, McKinnon. Has also been playing on McDavid's level since the start of 2017-18. So for the past three years, McKinnon has been, or McKinnon has been Connor McDavid good. Yep. The same time, Connor McDavid has been Connor McDavid good since he started playing NHL hockey. Like he was at that level as a rookie. Again, if he didn't get hurt, his point total would have at least hit 80. He would have won the Calder Trophy for sure. This guy has hit the 100 point mark three times already. Would have done it for a four straight year. He had 97 points this year in just 64 games. Injuries in the pandemic cut that short, but still 97 points in 64 games. I'm pretty sure that's elite status. Um, he's been averaging around 21 to 22 minutes per game for four straight years now, 60 plus helpers, uh, four years in a row as well, surpassed 70 plus, uh, surpassed 70 assists in a season on two occasions. He averaged almost exactly an assist per game. He had sixty-three assists in sixty-four games, um, twenty goals, seventy-six points in the past two years combined on the power play. So, um, pretty obvious he can score in the power play. Um, at least two hundred ten shots on goal for great in years, and if he played all eighty-two games um, in, in, in 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 this year alone, McDavid probably could have set a personal best for shots on goal just absolute gods here no way he's on the bench he is absolutely on
1: yeah um so <laughs> I my yeah that's a good choice and that's also my choice as well I was going to go with patrice Bergeron uh because I mean not just because I'm a homer but also because <laughs> of the like the two-way game that patrice Bergeron is he's you know historically yeah. the best two-way guy and that's if you're down one nothing. That's also important that you don't want to like go down two nothing. But if
0: you need a key guy to win a faceoff, yeah. one thousand percent right. I'm taking exactly.
1: Your job. So I do want to put him in honorable mentions. I was also considering Ethan McKinnon, but um, mm. and Sidney Crosby is another one. But uh yeah, you can't. Um, it's almost impossible to not to pick Connor McDavid. Um, I know he didn't win the Hart Trophy this year. Uh, but he was by far the best player um, and a big reason why Dreisaitl did win the hard trophy was because too many people were scared of McDavid and then they forgot mm-hmm. to focus on uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who's also pretty good. Um, so so in that regard I think Connor McDavid's probably the most feared player in the league and um, and like yet 34 goals, which is um, as a center in 64 games and that's that's pretty good for a center uh, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you need a goal, um, even as a center, it's great. He's also like the fastest skater alive, but, um, I'll second everything that you say. So yeah.
0: like, like just yeah. the way, again, the speed, like when he goes zero to a hundred, yep. like, you know, it's Connor McDavid just by the way he turns on the afterburners. Yep. Like when he really takes off, you know, oh, there's Connor McDavid, here it yep. he goes again. And just his deceptiveness with the puck, the way he can just change his path to the net, the way he dictates the pace. Yeah. Like, the drive is there, the competitiveness, everything. Like, you talk about the intangibles that he has, both in terms of talent and in terms of leadership. He's he's really put it all together in a short period of time. And, like, his point totals are, like, um, almost exactly identical to McKinnon's, and he's played two fewer years than McKinnon. Yeah. So... Hard to go against McDavid. Exactly.
1: All right, so now um, I feel like I know who you're going to pick here, but who's your left winger?
0: Left winger, um, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, Brad Marchand. Yeah. Brad Marchand. Um, I think he, out of the left wingers that Canada has to choose from, he's been the most consistent the past three to four years. Yep. I mean, just as a rookie, he was a 20-goal scorer, I think, at like, 28 goals uh, the year after Boston won the Stanley Cup as well. A very efficient shooter and a guy that could always get under your skin. But, like, the past three to four years, he's been a guy that can get you, like, around 30-plus goals, 80-plus points, uh, consistent power play threats, uh, can play with top-tier talents. He played with Bergeron and Pasternak. Been a solid force on that top line. Been very consistent. Um, he plays with that little bit of a nasty edge, gets under your skin a little bit, but he's got the skill and the talents to back it up. Yep. And like in his earlier years, you look at his point totals and you're just like, ah, oh, that's okay. Look at the amount of power play time. Yeah. Look at his yep. total ice time. He he didn't really get top six minutes until like maybe his third or fourth year. Yeah. And you didn't get the top power play minutes like he was getting now until like three or four years ago when he became a top-line threat with Pasternak and with Bergeron. And like the past three years, this guy in an 82-game pace gets 100 points. And he's only gotten 100 points on the nose once. And he's had a bunch of like 80-plus point seasons. But in each of the past three years, if you look at his 82-game pace, it's been 100 or slightly better than 100. Yep. And not really a guy that um, shoots the puck a ton, like a couple of 200-shot seasons, mind you, but nothing like Tyler Stagman level, nothing like Brendan Gallagher level or um, Max Pacioretty, nothing like 300-shot seasons, but – He's, he's really refined his game and just taken that extra step in the past three to four years. It's hard to argue against Marshawn when you compare him to guys like Jonathan Huberto, guys like Taylor Hall. Those guys are talented for sure, yeah. but I think out of those guys, Marshawn's been the most consistent by far, and yeah. just keeps getting better.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's impressive too because he's he's kind of a late bloomer. Uh, he had thirty. He's thirty one years of age. Um, too, so it's like it's like a, it's a miracle because usually that's when uh, players start declining, but that hasn't happened to him yet. Um, and what's impressive is you mentioned that like his rookie year he had 21 goals, and I had to double check that because I remember he didn't even play that often. He was on like the fourth line during that time, and I, <laughs> I went to check. He he had like 14 minutes on ice on average. Um, yep. During that time, and that's just really impressive that he had like 41 points in 77 games during that time, um, and uh, and then he's been and then he had increased role and he just improved every year and um, yeah. And then the eventually,
0: uh, the 2011 playoffs when yep. Boston won the cup, he was. Just yep. living rent free in Luongo's head the yep. entire series for sure,
1: and the Sedin's and all of Vancouver <laughs> to the point yeah. where like I still like I have a couple of Vancouver Canucks fans in in a couple of my leagues, and I still like Brad Mart. Just mentioning his name uh, just triggers them. All, like they still fear him. Uh, so yeah, that just shows like, you, yeah.
0: yeah. Like and and considering they got beat several times by yep. the Blackhawks. The fact that Brad Marchand comes to mind and not like a player like Taze and Kane, that tells you something.
1: Exactly. So, um, yeah, I I guess. uh, So, yeah, obviously Brad Marchand's also my pick. Um, And I I was thinking of maybe Jonathan Huberto or Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Taylor Hall I hadn't thought of, but that's also a good uh, choice if you were to pick him either too. But um, I feel like Brad Marchand just has that extra edge um, he's also very good defensively, too. And, um, and I, I, I remember that time when we started calling him Hart Marchand. Um, yeah. We are trying to get that campaign going. So, um, yeah, he, he'll play with a, another future Hart uh, player So uh, with McDavid. So, uh, who's your right winger?
0: I think we all know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, so, we mentioned um, the importance of protecting the puck. And... We have the possession driver in Connor McDavid. So a lot of people might say, well, Mitch is a pretty good offensive guy in his own right. He'd be a solid right winger. True, but I would say he's, like McDavid, a possession driver. So I'm looking for a guy that can really protect the puck in any situation. The first guy that comes to my mind, Mark Stone. Yep. And I've mentioned this to the cows come home. I will continue to mention it. This guy is the king at forcing giveaways. Just a master of takeaways, has been for many, many years. His first year in the NHL, he had 26 goals, 38 assists for 64 points in 80 games. I believe he was a Calder runner-up that season. Um, The next season, 61 points in 75 games. His average ice time jumps from 17.01 as a rookie to 20.07 in his second year. For the past four, five, six years, this guy is a top option on the power play. Also very good at killing penalties. Plays the same way he did today as he did in the beginning. A guy that does all the little things right, always moving his feet, driving the intensity level up. No matter what the score is, who's winning by how many goals, he celebrates every single goal the same way. Just a guy that loves to win is a gamer, is a competitor, and this is a guy that has never registered 200 shots in a single NHL season, and yet he's been a consistent 20-goal scorer and just such a hard worker. So if I needed a guy that does the little things right, Mark Stone is my guy, 100%.
1: Yeah, it was a toss-up for me with Mark Stone and this other guy that I'm about to mention, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Marner, uh, not yeah. Mitchell Miller, but Mitchell Marner. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, like, yes, I, I figured you were going to talk about the defensive ability, and yes, Mark Stone is better defensively than Marner is. However, um, I feel like you can't, like, because I have Marshawn McDavid's pretty good on his own right. Um Like, Marner is uh, amazing. Um, Like, he was injured a couple of games uh, this year, but uh, he still had more than a point per game last year. Um, He had 67 points in 59 games. And the thing is, is, yet yes, you have uh, John Tavares on your line or you have Austin Matthews on this line, but Connor McDavid's better than both of those guys. So... so, (laughs) So like there there's a and I guess the other knock on him maybe if is that he doesn't score a ton he's only like um, he had 16 goals last year for instance but at the same time you have like a like a 30 goal scorer in Conor McDavid and you also have Brad Marchand who scores um, at will in his own right um, I think you can make it up and and have Mitchell Marner here on um, as your right winger. Mark Stone was a good, uh, I was leaning towards that. Um, that is, that could also work too, because he also plays phenomenal two-way. He's probably the best two-way right winger in the league. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I felt like it, it's it's hard to, to not put in Marner in, in for this. So um, yeah. So that's our the first main, one.
0: The main yep. reason why I went for Mark Stone is because if you're down by a goal and you've only gotten a certain amount of time to score two goals to win, yep, you need to find a way to create offense. What's a great way of creating offense? Forcing the other team to turn the puck over.
1: Yep, and That's this guy
0: point. does it better than anyone at any position in the league. But like, yep. the only guy who had more takeaways was Jacob Slavin. And he's a defenseman. Yeah. So, and the fact that he's just being consistently good, putting up fifty to sixty points being at the top of the leaderboard and takeaways consistently year after year after year and never having a single 200 shot season, always being an efficient shooter. That's what gave Mark stone a slight edge over Mitch Marner. Although it wouldn't anger me if Mitch Marner was on the ice instead of Mark stone, Mark stone just would have been my preferred choice because of the skill that Marchand and McDavid already provide.
1: Yeah. No, and, and that's fair. And I, I wouldn't complain if Mark stones on there either. Um, in head of Marner. Um, both are totally valid reasons, too. I guess the other thing, too, is like Marner is only 22 years old, so he's like only going to get better. <laughs> so, like, I don't, usually younger players don't play defense as well as they should, um, so I think that will probably develop over time. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: Marner and yeah. Marner says he takes good pride in playing a good two-way game. Yeah. I think he even got some selkie votes as well this yeah, year. Yeah, something
1: like that, so, yeah.
0: So I I can definitely see the argument in a couple of years if March Marner continues to improve yeah. defensively, why he could earn that position over Mark Stone, yeah. especially being a couple of years younger than Mark. So
1: yeah, yeah, I guess just the fact that like Marner was a point per over a point per game and Mark Stone was close to being a point per game, I was just like, okay, I think Marner might be the better player. But yeah, um, I, I I see your point as well, and I actually thought of that too. Uh, other considerations, uh, Travis Konechny, um It's all was also was pretty much the only one that I was considering on the right wing. Right wing, um, yeah. Maybe Claude Giroux, but it's it's kind of tough. He's kind of declined over the years. Um, okay, so now we go to the defensive side. This is actually one where we're like even if you you can pick two right-handed defensemen or you can pick two left-handed defensemen. Uh, so yeah. just. Pick uh, both your defensemen here.
0: Uh, so I'm going to appease the Bruins fan in you, Dougie right. Hamilton. Um, I would say in terms of offensive defenseman, probably the best bet right now. Um, he's posted at least 40 points in five of the last six years. Um, and a guy that can rack up shots as well, like 250, 260, 270 shots a year. He's certainly capable of doing that. He had... Um, 37 assists in his second year with the Flames. His first 50-point campaign also happened that same year. Um, arguably, his most inefficient season in terms of offense uh, was his second year in Boston, his rookie year in Boston, and then his final year in Calgary when he only got 39 points. However, 18 of those 39 points were goals, which is a career high. Yep. And, he still got over, I think, 200 shots that season. Um, and, again, is a guy that can consistently put up 200-plus shots a year. So if you need shots on goal, um, Hamilton uh, certainly has what it takes to unleash them from the point. And that's a good way at um, at, at generating offense through the power play is shots and the points. So yeah. I think Hamilton would be a pretty good uh, bet for that. And especially if you look at it this year, where he was absolutely on top of his game. He had 40 points in 47 games. That injury ruined his season, but like he was in the running for the Norris Trophy. You could seriously argue that. Yep. Um, Four goals, 26 assists, 12 power play points. Um, averaged over three minutes per game on the power play, personal best there. Uh, averaged 23 minutes, 17 seconds per game this year. Again, personal best. And prior to that, didn't even play 22-plus minutes per game in a season. So this year was certainly a step in the right direction. Um, So in terms of offensive defensemen, I would uh, take Dougie. For all-around defense, I would take Alex Petrangelo. Uh, This dude, prior to this year, had blocked at least 100 shots for nine straight years. Um, A guy that's averaged at least 24 minutes per match for the last nine years. And in six straight years, in that nine-year span, he was logging at least 25 minutes every night, as many as 26 minutes every night. Um, Power play, penalty kill, he can play every single situation. Um, Now and again, he gets 200-plus shots on goal, but this year he got 225. That's a personal best. Um, Prior to that, he did it in 2017-18, so... Again, on the top of his game right now, um, personal best in goals this year with 16. Yep. Uh, he's posted 30-plus assists in six of the last seven seasons. Just all around a natural leader. Um, so I would definitely have him on uh, the other side of the blue line. Um, so him him, and Hamilton would be my uh, two picks on defense.
1: So my two are actually two teammates, um, mm. or now going to be two teammates, uh, Alex Petrangelo, That was my first one. You you were right. He um, he's probably the most consistent player uh, defenseman that they have going here. Um, and uh, you know, and now he uh, you know he can shoot, he can score. Um, you know, he's good offensively. He's also good defensively as well. Um, everything you just mentioned. So I have him there. And then um, and then my other guess is uh, Shea Theodore um, would be my other defenseman. Um, I know you're critical of Shea Theodore a a little bit because you you still don't know if he has it, but, like, he's improved every single year, um, and even when he's improved every year, he's, like, he's still 24 years old, which is crazy to me. Um, I know that he's not great on the defensive side of things, but, um, I don't know, I I think, like, just from a consistency standpoint, it's, like, he's going to be better and better every year, Um, and... um, and he was pretty good this year. He had forty six points. Um, I mean, seventy one games. Um, and he like you know he doesn't hit a ton, but he gets um, you know, and he he has a, a about an average takeaway giveaway ratio. Um, but he blocks a lot too, and um, yeah, he's going to he's he was kind of the guy in Vegas. Um, I guess I'll probably change um, when Angelo's there, but um, at the same time he he's uh, another guy you have to worry about um, in Vegas. Um, I was.
0: That I think he has that insulation as well. Yeah. With Petrangelo there is definitely going to help Theodore's development too. Yeah, for sure. Which, which kind of adds to that. I think having um, someone like Petrangelo, like one of those high caliber all around defensemen, I think uh, could definitely um, help Theodore as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And then other guys I was thinking about was, uh, I was thinking of Dougie Hamilton. I wasn't sure about his consistency, so that's kind of, and like just the injury, you you have to be wary of those kind of things, but um, if he played a full season, then yeah, Dougie Hamilton would be on here. Um, Thomas Shabbat's another one, Um, and Kale McCarr. Really? Yeah. Uh, Thomas Shabbat I think, is one of the better defensemen in the league. Um, I
0: certainly think he's on his way. I don't think he's at that level yet, but uh, this year year is a big step forward for
1: him. I think the fact that, like, you you always mention this, but the fact that he had 26 minutes on ice um, and still was, like, you know, a really good player, I think I I would have had him up there too, yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I hear you. Kale McCarr is another one. Um, However, I feel like I need to see another year of him before I praise him. Uh, Brent yeah. burns is another one and um Chris Letang just needs to be healthy for a year um, okay. yeah that's about it in terms of other defensemen but um mm-hmm. yeah so when you man- were
0: mentioning about uh, Theodore and his giveaway take ratio being like average yeah um you look at Eric Carlson's giveaways and like he's when healthy again one of the best defenders in the game yep yeah his giveaway take rate ratio some years hasn't been great. Yeah, yeah, So, but and and you know what? With with a player with his kind of upside, giveaways are part of the risk with Eric Carlson. Of course. So the fact that Theodore plays that kind of offensive game, even if he breaks even at like 50-50, that's still not bad. Yeah,
1: you know, of course, of course. Um. Okay, so now we go to the goalie. Um. Who is your goalie <laughs> for Canada?
0: carry freaking price no oh, questions asked. Geez. I mean just look at Well, what I'm going to ask some yeah.
1: questions. I'm going to ask some questions.
0: Yeah. Uh like you look at his total last uh this year in terms of shots faced. He faced the second most shots of any goalie this past season. He had 1755 shots faced across 58 games. He has faced more rubber in six other career campaigns in the yep. NHL. And in one of those seasons he faced over 2000 shots that was in 2010 2011 when the bruins almost got eliminated by his habs game 7 overtime like this guy just time after time when you think his team is down he just he just pulls some garbage and the canadians win the game yeah. this is a guy in 5 NHL seasons he's had at least 30 wins on every single occasion where he's gotten at least 30 wins, he's faced more than 1,800 shots in a campaign. This year, he was 27-25-6 and six on a Habs team that really relied on him because they had no backup. They haven't had a reliable backup for many years now, and it's very noticeable what happens when he is not on the ice. And you need a guy in that best-on-best best situation where if the other team gets sprung on a breakaway, you need to – you need to think to yourself, can this guy make the save? And I feel confident that Carey Price makes the big saves, the big moments we saw in the playoffs. The Habs were doing a lot of damage. They were giving teams nightmares. Carey Price playing like Carey Price does is why the Habs are as good as they are. And that's why I'm leaning towards Price, because he has that calming presence. He's got the track record. He's won World Junior Gold. He's won Olympic gold. I would say the only other guy that I would probably have that kind of confidence in would be Carter Hart. But Mm. I don't think the workload is there. He's a bit too young. Maybe in a couple of years he can get on Kerry's level. But just time and time again, Kerry Price has shown that he can be that elite goaltender. And he continues to prove it to this day. So I have no reason to go against him.
1: Um, Well, I do have a reason to go against him. Not just because he's a hab. But the like this would have been this would have been my choice five years ago. Um he's yeah. uh he had like he had a phenomenal year. He won the heart that year. He had a, a 9.33 save percentage and a 1.96 e, uh, GAA the next year. Then the next year he gets injured. He only plays 12 games, but he was still fantastic there. Three nine thirty four yep. save percentage and a two point oh six. But after that, uh like it just gets steadily, steadily worse. Um, and in fact, uh, even like the last three years, uh, he had like a 900 save percentage, um, two years ago, he had a 918 save percentage, which is pretty good, but, um, but not like great. Um, and then this past year he has a 909 save percentage. It's just like, I know the Habs stink and they rely on him and they, they, they just use him to all hell, but, um... I feel like he's not the Kerry price uh, like he was um, early on in his career he's um, he's kind of it's just uh, I don't like I, I can understand it maybe there's more nostalgia for you but I I, I don't I don't see why you would pick Carry price here um I would take I know you mentioned him but I would take Ka hot um, here um I know that he's only played two two games so far, but I think what's most impressive to me is that, like, you know, he's 21 years old, and he's still, like, like at least top five goalies in the league right now, um, maybe top 10, uh, I guess, um, and, like, just the fact that, like, the Flyers may, you know, they, they are inconsistent on the ice, but, um, and he had some struggles early on in the year, but, at the same time, it's just like if you have like guys like McDavid, Marchand, Marner, uh, Theodore, and Petrangelo, um, all you really need is like an average goalie. <laughs> um, so, so maybe Carey Price would work for you then. But I, I feel like Carter Hart is like almost a brick wall. Um, he did he did get worse this year than he did last year, but the fact that he can play at an NHL level at 22 years old is just um, it's like it's like a generational talent almost, um, because that's kind of unheard of. Um, because usually, like a lot of goalies, just take their time and um, you know they they play in the AHL for a couple of years. But Carter Hart just went straight uh, to the NHL and um, and he hasn't stopped. Him he hasn't looked back since. Um, and remember that time when the Flyers were on like that twelve game streak or something like that. Carter Hart was a big reason why. Um, he's yep. unstoppable when he's on um so so that would be my choice um other choice the thing with yep.
0: carter hart is the, is the consistency and you know what to to carter hart's defense consistency was something that in the first couple of years carry price also battled with yep and once he got that consistency part down nothing could stop carry price he was one of the best in his position for many many years i think in 3 years it's carter hart over carry price but right now, I still give the slight edge to Price because of resume, and I think he has some good years left in the tank. But in three years, that conversation will change, and I expect Carter Hart to be that guy.
1: I mean, I would argue, though, that Carter Hart, does, like he was better as a rookie than uh, Carey Price was as a rookie. Um, so so I, I would say, like, you know, maybe there there isn't really a consistency factor to that. Um so I don't know. I, I would have, I would like both his years that he's played right now um, are still really, really good. Um, so, um, so I don't know. I, I, I think I would go with uh, Carter Hart. Um, other considerations was Jordan Bennington, uh, even Braden Holtby. Um, and uh, there's another one. Um, oh, Mackenzie Blackwood is another one, but um yeah, I, I again think, with
0: all of them, it's it's consistency yeah. issues as well. Um, I right. feel like I, I guess consistency issues. You could point to any of the goalies that we just mentioned. I you point to say, the time yeah. frame where they weren't consistent, but, but well, I mean, so for the, for the most but, part, I would give Price the edge because he's been more consistent.
1: But he's been consistently average the last three years,
0: and so are the Habs. And I would argue the Habs are worse than consistently average. So, like we're talking yeah. best on best scenario. Team Canada would knock the Canadians out of the water, then bring them back in and knock them out again. Yeah. Like, the Habs would get throttled by Team Canada in a heartbeat. Yep. So like, if you're looking for a guy to make a couple of big saves or two, like Carey Price, even in like the 2014 Olympics, didn't have to be fantastic. He just had to stop the big shots when he had to, and yep. he did. All
1: right, so now we're on to Team USA. Um, it's, it's funny that we're arguing over this when it's like, <laughs> this will never happen. <laughs> so Yeah, like,
0: this Team Canada and Team USA, like, yeah. they're very, very tough to assemble a team. Of course. Now. Just, like, assemble a team, try assembling a top six. It's it's very impossible hard. to get everyone on the same page there. Exactly.
1: It's very hard. I mean, I think eventually, I mean, this will be what the Olympics look like, probably, um, even though that's in two years, but um (laughs) maybe brad marchand will drop off we'll see but i think for the most part um that's what it would look like um
0: i just hope with the climate of the world that we can have an olympics in a pandemic yeah
1: that's true that is easier said than done yeah yeah all right so now we're going to team usa and i get to go first for all these yeah uh fun you
0: you (laughs) gloat about the potential of your team all you want we still have the gold to show for it buddy
1: yeah, I know. Well, I mean, but, after doing that I research, say, I was just like, all right, I don't I will know. Say,
0: I will say, th- this is probably your best chance to win gold right now. Yeah, no, like, I agree. The amount of talent that Team USA has, it's it's enough to make you salivate. Like, yeah. there are a lot of good talent to choose from here. Yeah,
1: so this is a good way of starting it, because the, the interesting thing is when I was looking at all the U.S stuff they have it's like yeah they have Matthews and Jack Eichel but I think the real cream of the crop is the wingers and the defensemen for the team USA it's like just the centers like Canada has all the centers but I think USA has all the, like the wingers and the defensemen um, to match up with um, especially the defensemen which we'll get into in a bit but um yeah the wingers are was tougher for me to decide on. Um, anyways, uh, for the center position, um, it was really just two, although I do like, uh, Dylan Larkin and, um, and I think that was pretty much the only other center that I was consi- even considering. But it, it's either Austin Matthews or Jack Eichel. Um, I think I'd rather go with Austin Matthews, uh, just purely because the fact that he had 47 goals, um, and, that's like tough to come by um, with centers. I think he had that's the most out of any center. Um, so um, so I, I I'm going with Austin Matthews. I do like Jack Eichel. I wouldn't be upset if if you pick Jack Eichel instead because uh, he's good in his own right. He's better all around. I would imagine, but um, I, I it's it's hard to not go with a 47 goal. Center in Austin Matthews and he's also pretty physical too so um he just like you know he always goes straight to the the net and um, he usually scores um so uh yeah I, I think I'd have to go with he's probably like the only reason why I'd be okay if the Leafs win a cup uh, one of these days um, just because he's an American um, and um, and he you know if an American does well then I'm happy so um. Yeah, I I'm going with Austin Matthews.
0: Except if he plays
1: for the Habs. Yeah, that's and, true. I hate and, the Habs. Okay. <laughs> I I I'm fine if he plays for the Leafs, but not the Habs. It's true. Yeah, I
0: guess it. I guess it depends on who you ask. Like, I I I don't. I I wouldn't mind if he was on on Montreal or, yeah. or Toronto, but I'm I prefer Toronto because. The Habs would just gloat relentlessly.
1: Of course. Well, Leafs Leafs fans will gloat relentlessly, but yeah, it's um, true.
0: But they haven't won a first. I can handle it four, so. Yeah,
1: and I, I can handle it. The same goes for like one of the worst things about being a Bruins fans is the fact that, or just being an American Bruins fan is the fact that like my two division rivals has like the two best centers on America. So it's like it's just hard to root against these guys. Um, but then you're like. But they're in the division. I have to, so um, yeah. I just hope that they get traded, like late <laughs> in their career, so then I can have my chance to read for them. But preferably that's probably, to the Bruins. Actually. Preferably to the Bruins. But if it's uh, if it's to uh, obviously this will be like ten years down the line, um, but uh, but preferably uh, uh, they get traded so they're not Sabers or Leafs for life. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, in the
0: mean, in the mean, in the meantime, we'll we'll talk yeah. about what Matthews has done with the Leafs, and he's done a lot. Yeah, like this this guy's played in only four years. Typically, averages like two hundred and fifty plus shots per year, thirty to forty goals per year. As a rookie, he got forty goals. Um, this year, as you mentioned, he got forty seven. You could definitely argue that he gets fifty if the pandemic doesn't shorten the season. Um, the last couple of years, last three years, he's run around fifty two to fifty five percent of his face offs. Um, he won 55% of his draws this year Uh, 12 power play goals in year 3, 12 power play goals uh, this year typically around 20-25 to points he averages with the extra man so there's no question that he can put up points uh, on special teams there you also look at giveaway-takeaway ratio or takeaway-giveaway ratio 76-44 which is pretty good, 76 takeaways 44 giveaways, that was His first year, so to do that as a rookie is even more impressive. Yep. Um, 59-59 split as a second year. Uh, Subpar 57-67 in year three. It returned to form this year. He was top 10 in American skaters for total takeaways in all four seasons to date. Um, In three of the four seasons he's played, he's missed the net 100-plus times. So in terms of shot attempts... We're looking at like 350 to like 400 a season, maybe a bit more than that. Um, I know that a lot of people are going to make the argument, uh, oh, you know, Jack Eichel averaged more ice time than Matthews. Yes, that's true. Yeah, Eichel got like two fewer points and playing two fewer games than Matthews. Probably could have passed him. He probably could have. And you look at the value that Jack brings to the Buffalo Sabres, like he had 11 power play goals, nine game winners this year, more than uh, or around the same as Matthews in both categories. But I just look at the Olympics. And in order to win at the Olympics, you need to play a good team structured game. You can say what you want about the Toronto Maple Leafs defense, but I think offensively they have been pretty structured the past couple of years. And in a best-on-best best scenario, I want to know, okay, who is going to play well in a structured environment? I can't say Jack Eichel because I don't think I've seen enough of Jack Eichel in a structured offense. So for that reason alone, I'm going with Matthews in this regard. Um, because in terms of like overall talent, um, how they can change the game, all – both both of those guys possess those it qualities, yep. but I think the structured offense is where Matthews has the advantage. Unfortunately for Jack, but uh, Jack is definitely a solid one B offensive player for for Team USA, and I would totally be fine if he was on the team. I just prefer Matthews because the giveaway takeaway ratio and the structured offense.
1: That's yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's a fair point too. But I mean. I, like, to be fair to Jack Eichel, it's, like, it's not the Sabres' fault that, like, they stink. It's not Eichel's yeah. fault that the Sabres stink, so... Exactly. Um, but, at uh, the same time, both both of them haven't won a playoff series, so uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, as for left wing, At this, least
0: Matthews has been there, so I would think true. he would know a lot about losing. That's a good point, yeah, losing. yeah.
1: True, I mean, both of them know what losing is like. Um... All right, going with left wingers, this is a lot harder because uh, there's Kyle Connor, JT Miller, Max Pacioretty. Um I'm about to talk about this guy, but um, Matthew Kachuk, uh, even Johnny Gaudreau, his teammate, Zach Parise, um, Chris Kreider, if you want to go down this list. Um, Brady Kachuk's another one, Jake Gensel. Uh, yeah. so, so there's a lot of left wingers. Um, it's crazy. And I mean, you could say the kind of list. This- the same thing as uh, your Canadian center series because if you have all those guys on your team, like you're probably going to be pretty good. Uh, you're going to win a lot of games, um, even if like a lot of them play in different positions. But um, so so yeah, there there was a fortune to pick about. I went with Matthew Kachuk. Um, he's been probably more the consistent guy compared to all the other ones that I just mentioned. Um, I do like, I wouldn't be upset if you pick Kyle Connor or JT Miller or Johnny Gaudreau or anything, um, or Max Petretti is another one, but I think Matthew Kachuk, um, also has the, uh, other thing about him, which is like, he's physical. He gets in your face. He's very Brad Marchand in that way. Um, and he can like instigate stuff, which is, could become pretty crucial, um, Late in games, um, especially during that this time where he can like maybe force a team to uh, like think about Matthew Kachuk and then Austin Matthews uh, does his thing um, and, <laughs> and, and Patrick Kane, which I'm going to spoiler alert there. But like just the fact that like he he allows other like he's a true pest in the game um, and yeah, he's 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 also very good at hockey. He's not that's not the only thing he can do. Um, so he's
0: America's Brad Marchand, what
1: basically, basically yes. And you know he's also very good. Uh, 61 points in 69 games uh, this year. Um, and he, yeah, he hits. He's also like good uh, defensively too. So um, yeah, that, that that's my pick. But I'm I I would be I wouldn't be surprised with who you pick here. <laughs>
0: Well, um, you did allude to him uh, previously. It's uh, Kyle Connor of yep. the Winnipeg Jets, an American playing on a Canadian team. Uh, seems to yep. happen uh, a quite a bit uh, these days. Um, but yeah, Kyle Connor. I mean, it's 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 not it's not often that you pass on Johnny Gaudreau um, for somebody. I I think for Johnny Gaudreau, like. He's a playmaker, but there's another guy that I have in mind that could do the playmaking stuff, which is why I left Johnny Hockey off the list. And I also think consistently Kyle Connor's been a bit better than Goudreau. And Matthew Kachuk, if you wanted the pest element, he would probably be the ultimate guy. Same with Brady too. Yep. Like they are the guys that drive to the net to the gritty areas, are are getting under people's skins. So they bring that dynamic element. So I could I could see either guy if you wanted to fill that kind of spot, either guy fitting that role. Uh, But for Kyle Connor, like, this is a consistent 30-goal score, and he does it a bit more efficiently than, say, someone like Max Pacioretty. Like, um, you look this year, the only other American left winger to score 30-plus goals was Pacioretty. And he had six fewer goals compared to Kyle Connor. Yep. And he also had 30, 307 shots on goal. Kyle Connor this year only had 239 shots to his name in the same amount of total games played as Pacharetti. And Connor's average ice time per game was also 2 minutes 10 seconds greater than Pacharetti's total. The only other guy, the only other American left winger to register more power play minutes played than Kyle Connor was Alex DeBrincat of the Chicago Blackhawks, and that Chicago Blackhawks power play. There are some good pieces there, but you look at the Jets that have Mark Scheifele, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Line, all of those guys play key roles in that power play system. All of them are very solid offensively. So Kyle Connor, despite all that, still had a very very good season individually. And then you look at his track record. He had 31 goals and 57 points as a rookie across 76 games. Uh, 192 shots, seven power play goals, seven game winners, three OT winners. That was his first year as a professional hockey player. You look at his record in year two, he has uh, 66 points uh, in 82 games, 34 goals. Uh, His assist total also increased slightly from 26 to 32. Um, Typically the sophomore season is where you see a little bit of a dip in some players' performance, but... Not Kyle Connor. He was just as good, maybe slightly better than uh, the first year he played. Um, 237 shots The second year, 11 power play goals, five game winners. Uh, In terms of missed shots, he doesn't miss as often as Austin Matthews does. So I would argue he's a bit more efficient at goal scoring than Matthews is. Um, And then you look at, um, again, his numbers this year. If they didn't improve, they were pretty much close to what you would typically expect from Kyle Connor. So I think if you're looking for consistent goal scoring um, and accurate shooting, uh, Kyle Connor is a good bet for you. So I picked him as my left winger.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that. I think the like it was actually between Connor, Kachuk, and Goudreau, um, and Patchetti to some extent too, but. Um, yeah, I I think the reason why I went with Kachuk is I feel like he's more defensive than Connor is, and while still yeah. getting you points. But yeah, you're right. If you if you need to score a goal from a specific person, Connor is probably your guy compared to Kachuk. But um, mm-hmm. certainly yeah. compared
0: to Pat Shreddy, I think Pat Shreddy's on a little bit of decline. Yeah. Like he can still put up good numbers, but I just think the consistency. Yeah. Um, like in the, in the playoffs this year, I don't think uh, Pat Shreddy was like really. Good. Yeah was really at as full potential there. So yeah. I, I think in terms of age, Kyle Connor is definitely the younger option and the guy with more upside
1: Yeah. And up. I think if we were doing this last year, I probably would have picked Johnny Gaudreau. Um, yeah. He had a bit of a down year this year, but um, mm-hmm. he's still, he's still pretty good um, in his own right. Um, and then uh, Patrick Kane is going to be my right winger. I kind of spoiler alerted that, but <laughs> um, uh, just the—I mean, we talked about this last week when we were talking about the Blackhawks. But like the fact that Patrick Kane still put up a point, more than a point per game, even when the Blackhawks were one of the worst teams in the league, um, is crazy. He's also like the best. I, I want to say he's he's the best American player of all time. Like he's he's reached that point. Um, he's played in the league for 13 years. Um, he is a he has a thousand and twenty-two points in nine seventy-three games, um, and you know he also like he doesn't hit or block that much, but he doesn't have to if you put up that many points. Um, and uh, and also like the fact that um, you know he kind of made the Blackhawks into a relevant team um, when he got on the ice. You know he was a big part of those three teams, especially the first one when he gets that game winner. Um, where he was the only one who knew that the puck was in the net. Um, I mean, there is some off-the-ice issues with Patrick Kane, of course, but um, it's it's just hard to leave him off because he is truly, truly talented. Um, And, um, yeah, I can't say enough things about him. uh, You know, he he continues to amaze even though, um, you know, he's reaching 32 years. I think, like, out of everyone in America, like all the American players, he's probably the best uh, player um, on the team. Uh, eventually, um, when all the Olympics get together, he'll be the best, best player on the team.
0: So, again, one of the reasons why I picked Kyle Connor over a playmaker like Johnny Gaudreau is because in the playmaking department i had patrick kane on the right wing so patrick kane i still think is the obvious choice to play at that slot on team usa um like you look at in terms of offensive um puck possession per game i think patrick kane was in the top five this year um the points um uh which is uh, the point hockey has a very useful website that tracks that kind of stuff and Patrick Kane, in his early 30s, is among the top performers in the game in that department. Yep. And like we've mentioned on a couple of occasions already, since 2015-16, this is late 20s to early 30s, Patrick Kane, we've seen his best hockey. Yep. Like His career year, prior to his monster year, was in 2015-16, when he got, I think, um, around 40 goals and... Forty-six uh,
1: goals first, and sixty points and sixty assists.
0: Yeah, so he got um he got his first one hundred point season that year. Yep, and then this year, uh, not this year, but to the year prior, twenty eighteen nineteen, he gets yep. one hundred and ten points. On a lot of other years, that would probably lead the league in scoring, but because Kutra was on another level, it was only like good enough for like a top five spot. And it but should and I should mention, points.
1: and I should mention that year, the the Blackhawks missed the playoffs too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: like it was the only thing keeping them from being worse than what they were. Well, there's like, also Dibrenkut to too,
1: be. but yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Like he still got 341 shots that year, 30 power play points that year, seven game winners, three overtime winners. Again, his early 30s, he has 44 goals and 66 assists in a season. And, yeah, the stand line regressed this year, but he's still got 275 shots, 84 points, over 70 games. That's still pretty good. Yeah. And you're talking about a guy that averages 20-plus minutes per game, a guy that averages like two, three, four minutes of power play time per game, just a guy that really drives the offense. Patrick Kane is the ideal guy to drive the top line on Team USA because he's still got it, and he's showing no signs of slowing down. So he's still an established clutch superstar that's won three Stanley Cups. The only thing thing missing from his resume is Olympic gold. Like, he's had several MVP seasons in the NHL. Uh, You you couldn't ask him to do anything more except maybe win Olympic gold. So, uh, yeah, they're – they're tough to find a decorated player that is playing at the top of his profession than Patrick Kane right now. So he's, he's a slam dunk choice for right wing and there are some solid options. Yeah. You have Brock Besser, for example, and Blake Wheeler too, but they don't change a game the way Patrick Kane does.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was about to say, I didn't even consider anyone else, but I should mention Blake Wheeler is a very good player. Brian Rust is another one, um, and uh, there's an, a Brock Besser. Phil Kessel, um, a couple years ago, uh, would have been mm-hmm. a good option here, too. If um, I had
0: to pick a sneaky weapon on a Team USA roster, it's definitely Brian Rust.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. I didn't even realize he was an American until looking researching this all, so... <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that's, um, a good point, but I, I hadn't even considered anyone else. Patrick Kane was the first person I put on this list. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure yep. you're the only person that a
0: lot of people would, would probably exactly.
1: Yeah. It's the slam dunk pick. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we go to our defense here and before I pick, have my pick, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you a list of how many good American defensemen there are. John Carlson, Anthony D'Angelo, Quinn Hughes, Tori Krug, Ryan Suter, Neil Pionk, Keith Yandel, Adam Fox, Zach Wierenski, Jeff Petrie, Jacob Slavin, Kevin Shankirk, Matt Niskanen, Charlie McAvoy, Alex Goligoski, Nate Schmidt, Seth Jones, Cam Fowler, Jacob Truba, John Marino even. Um, You know, like I I haven't even mentioned like uh, Brady Shea. He's pretty good. Jocelyn Falk. Um has his moments. Eric Johnson, Shane, Ghost, Despair. Um, <laughs> so that that's a pretty good list here. Um, anyway, so um, if you pick any of those guys, I I wouldn't blame you. I mean, it, it was probably the toughest decision I had because it's like, should I go with this guy? Should I go with that guy? Um, I'm going to go with uh, John Carlson um, to start. Um, I think he has. Uh, I know that we were talking about it before, but he has the pedigree of like um you know he's not as defensive as a defenseman but if you're if you want a goal if you want an assist if you want a point uh John Carlson out <laughs> of everyone is probably the most surest bet that you can get um he's mm-hmm. he's one of the he has more than a point per game um in um compared to all the other defensemen which is uh not like an easy feat when you're a defenseman because defensemen don't really score that often um and uh and he's also pretty consistent too I mean I know he struggled a little bit with injuries and stuff and I think there was this one year where he uh he wasn't like he only had like 30 points but I think besides that he's been like a consistent like 40 50 60 70 point guy um and uh yeah he would be my choice for that, um, he also has like twenty-four time. Uh, he only play, he plays twenty-four minutes on ice, um, which is impressive. I mean, I know Seth Jones plays twenty-five uh, minutes on ice, which is the most out of any American. But um, John Carlson is um, he's like he's the only defenseman that the Capitals have, um, and and there's a good reason for that because of that. Um, as for this, the second guy, I was kind of, I wasn't sure, I'm, I'm actually curious about who you, you would pick, because it was between Seth Jones and Zach Warinski for me, I, th- I went with uh, Zach Warinski because um, I think he, um, well actually, no, you know what, I'm going to change my pick, I'm going to go with Seth Jones, because uh, Seth Jones, like, sure, he doesn't score as much as Zach Warinsky. Uh but you know, you have John Carlson on the list here, so like you're you're good with the points and stuff. And Seth Jones is phenomenal on the other stuff. Like he blocks a ton. He has 123 blocks this year in only like fifty-six games. Um he didn't even play it like he missed a couple of game like twenty games this year. Um and and he also hits a ton too. Um and he I think he has a good like uh give away, take away, type of record. Um, and and Zach Wierenski is good in his own right, of course, uh, but I, I feel like he doesn't do the defensive stuff that Seth Jones does, um, and and that makes the difference. Um, so I'm going with Seth Jones.
0: Interesting. Yeah, in terms of offensive defenseman, John Carlson, 100%. Yeah. Um, typically, 40 to 50 points is what you would get out of him. Uh, 35 to 39 at worst. Um, But the past three years, you're talking about 60 to 70 point John Carlson, um, a guy that can get you like 200 plus shots a year, Um, 24, 25 minutes he averages per game, typically like two, three, four minutes of power play time at the most like, or at the least maybe like 230 per game. Um, But like I said in the past, like two, three, four years, um, just been a constant power play threat. And you look at all the offensive weapons like Backstrom, Ovechkin, just just teeing them up, basically, yep. uh, getting shots toward the net. And in a situation where you need goals, the best way is to generate a ton of scoring chances, a ton of shots. And Carlson, with that shot from the point, can definitely get it done for you. And just been a very consistent point-getter. So, yeah, I would say in terms of offense, um, no better option there. In terms of the all-around defenseman that you're looking for, um, I was him and hawing between Slavin and Seth Jones. And I went with Seth Jones just because he's already showing signs that he's an elite defender. Um, Like, you look at... His first full season in Columbus, 12 goals, three assists, 42 points in 75 games. Um, he got those 12 goals in just 152 shots. Uh, the season before, I think his shooting percentage was like 2%. And in that particular season, it was like hovering around 6%, 7 8%. Yep. So that was his first full season in Columbus. 2017-18, 16 goals, 41 assists, 57 points, and 78 games. That remains his career best. Um, he had 249 shots that year, 92 hits, 124 blocks, 24 power play points. One of those all-around great seasons. And his average ice time was 24-36 per game, and he spent 2 minutes 42 seconds per game with the extra man. Um, and all around, like, he was killing penalties, not just, playing top-line power play minutes. He was playing in all situations. And you look at 2018-19, when he only gets 46 points in 75 games, again, just all around, putting in the work. Like 184 shots, 106 hits, 133 blocks, 10 power play points, averaged nearly 26 minutes per game that year. And you're playing for a guy that has coached some American teams in the past and John Tortorella, that really wants his players to commit to the two-way stalling game. And a guy that Tortorella has said constantly just keeps getting better and better every game. The intensity meter on that guy is off the charts and has proven to be the top guy in Columbus. And you look at what he did in his short time this year, he had 123 blocked in just 56 games still had a 30 point season and his 126 shots probably could have been closer to 200 if he played in the full 82 game season and he still averaged over 25 minutes per game Yeah. so I, I really think Seth Jones is getting to the point where like Ryan Suter he's going to be consistently one of the best all around defensemen in America and Brian Suter, uh, to his credit, has also been pretty good for a very long time. And he's had some pretty good seasons recently. But I think the upside with Seth Jones is is so much greater. So um, I would definitely feel comfortable putting Seth Jones on the ice at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm i good. I'm, I'm glad that. Uh, we agreed on that. I almost went with Zach Worinsky, but <laughs> yeah, it
0: looked like you were going on the fly with that choice.
1: I, I did actually. Yeah. I was thinking like, you know what? I'll, I'll just go with the, the better two way guy. Um, yeah. I, I do, I, I do have hope for, um, Charlie McAvoy, but I just couldn't do that. That would be too much of a Homer pick. Um, yeah. also I do love Tory crude, but he's not as good defensively. Um, uh, but he does have the consistency. Um, okay, so now we go to goalies. And there's also quite a big list here of g- good goalies here. Because you have Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson, Ben Bishop, Jonathan Quick. Um, even, I mean, Thatcher Demko. He had that <laughs> the moments in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, maybe you have Ryan Miller a couple of years ago. Corey Schneider a couple of years ago as well. Um, Even like Jim Howard, Jimmy Howard and Craig Anderson a couple years ago, too. So um, there's a lot of good choices. Um, I think this is one that we're both going to agree on even still, um, because it's between pretty much Hellebuck, Gibson and Bishop. I think it's um, Hellebuck had by far the best season this year of the three. Um, And, uh, you know, he won the Vezina this year. Um, and he was a big, like, you know, the, the team was decimated. We talked about this ad nauseum, but just to reiterate, the team was very, um, you know, lost four defensemen, Buffalin, Myers, Chariot, and Jacob Truba. And then you still have, and like that could decimate a team, but just the fact that they were even close to making the playoffs, um, was pretty much a lot due to Connor Hellebuck. Um, in his play and he was a big part of like winning a lot of the games. Um I guess and like he was he did struggles um his rookie year and his first two years in the league, but I think he really got going the last two the uh, three years. Um and that's um and he's been pretty consistent. I um I could see maybe the argument with John Gibson because he is pretty consistent, but at the same time, John Gibson gets injured almost every year. Um and he had a pretty poor season this year, uh too. I didn't realize this, but he had like a three point oh three GAA, um, whereas Hillbuck had a two point six four GAA and a nine seventeen save percentage. Um and you know, he was wired to wire the best goalie um for um in the entire league, not just an American. So yeah, he's um so he's my choice here.
0: Yeah, so you're right. The debate around those three guys is basically uh, what it comes down to. And I went with Hellenwick as well. However, if not for the in- in- injury history, it is a much closer race. Like, yep. injuries have hurt John Gibson's chances. Like, there have been, like, the past couple of years, he's usually averaged, like, 30 shots faced per start. Yep, That's a pretty high number. Shouldn't be that high and yet his, his state percentage this year was still 904. Yeah. Like, compared to the earlier years where he had like a 920 state percentage for three straight years, yeah, it's not nearly as good as that. But still, to have a GAA of three and a save percentage over 900 in front of that Anaheim defense, a team that was hurt by injuries in a rebuilding phase as well, um... Not easy to put a save percentage over 900. So Gibson's yeah. campaign wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Like, no. he was still a pretty good goaltender. But, yeah, Connor Hellebuck was next-level amazing this year. Yeah, so... Like, and and then you look at his track record, where he had, like, 44 wins in, like, 60-plus games. He only lost 11 decisions in 2017-18. He got 44 wins that year. I think it was 44-11-9. Um, there's two seasons where he's posted like six shutouts, this year being one of them. He had 31 <laughs> wins this year and with that Winnipeg defense. Um, still posted a 922 state percentage despite that. The past couple of years, around 30 shots per game he's faced. Um, so he has the track record, but he also has the endurance, which I don't think gives him as much of. Um, especially with the lower body injuries like those are killer for a goaltenders yep. futures. So um, yeah, for, for injuries, um, I would probably go with Hellebuck just because he has that endurance and the big season that he had this year. If, if not for that, uh, it would be a much closer decision, but yeah, Hellebuck is, is the obvious choice.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, to, for Gibson, to, to Gibson's credit, like you know, he's playing on the Ducks and they're not great on the ice. Um, so, so there is something to that where like if you have Matthews, Patrick Kane, uh, Matthew Kachuk, John Carlson, and Seth Jones on the ice, um, you know that's better than what the Ducks have on every night. But um, mm-hmm. but I think Connor Hellebuck has like has, I mean he has the wing like uh, wingers that are equivalent to that, but. Um, but yeah so it's uh still it's like hellbuck's more of a sure shot um and Bishop and Gibson are both very good when healthy I um, mean yeah, that's a bigger that's thing the yeah so it's yeah. like uh, like it's even like I know there's five minutes in the game but like there's a potential that one of them gets injured all of a sudden um in those five minutes so uh, hellbuck's more of a sure shot that he won't he'll be healthy in those five minutes as well so
0: yeah, like you look at, for example, Dominic Ashik in his in his later years, like his late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. In you know, in 05, 06 with the Ottawa Senators, he had a great NHL season, goes to the Olympics, gets hurt, and by the time he's ready to come back, the Sens are done. They're out in the second round yeah. of Buffalo. So, like that's a kind of situation where as you're winding down into your career. Injury history becomes that much more of a concern. And it's a bit concerning more with Gibson because he's, I think, a couple of years younger than Bishop. Yeah. So um that that's why if if you're going to send out the best of the best, one of the things you're gonna need to focus on is okay, if I'm down by a goal, like I need guys that can get the job done, yes, but guys that can get the job done, and by that I mean be on the ice and not yep. on the bench because they're hurt.
1: You know. Exactly. All right. That about does it for us here. This was a fun experiment here. Um, we'll, we'll do it again for, I think, next week we're going to do Finland and Sweden. Um, yeah, we're going to
0: do the Scandinavian teams next exactly. week. So Minus that's, Denmark, because I'm pretty sure there's Scandinavian, too.
1: Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I, I think Finland and Sweden could, uh, has... An interesting competition here, uh, compared <clears> to <throat> all the other ones. Um, same with Russia too, but it should be fun. Yeah. Um, we're gonna do yeah. So, uh, <laughs> face our uh, Facebook is Lace Them Up. Our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. You can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify at Lace Them Up. Um, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 244 of the Lace Mutt Podcast.